brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Jack from the Horrible Movie Podcast. Each week, producer Phil, a guest, and I watch a horrible theater-released movie. We record our conversation, and then we tear that movie to shreds. We keep it family-friendly, so gather the family around the old smartphone, laptop, or tablet and join in on the fun. Just like all the great Studio DNA podcasts, find the Horrible Movie Podcast at Spreaker.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts can be found. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Sif Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that is best served cold in a frozen glass with no ice. It's Sif Pop. No ice, I say. Nay to that ice. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm Aaron Dicer from yourmoviefriend.com. He is Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about television, movies, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. You got a little Shatner there at the end. Which Did I? Yeah. Which are movies. (laughs) Movies. (laughs) Television. Whatever else. Space, planets, things we go to. Spock. Uh, I was told my voice uh, sounds a little like Ron Howard doing the narration for Arrested Development sometimes. Somebody online told me that. I was like, I I feel like, I mean, maybe I could go there, like in the higher registers of my voice. Yeah. But I don't know. Anyways, moving on. Somebody told me I sound like one of the ponies from My Little Pony. (laughs) Nice. Do you know which one? Uh, I don't. Do you, I, could you name a single pony right now? Butterfly. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good try. No, I was like, I was like, Star Scream. No, no, no. no that's, that's a Transform- that's Transformers. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. We've got a double feature today. Yeah. We haven't done one of these in a while. Yeah. Doing that's... double duty, pulling a double shift. Uh, we're going to talk about Mandy and uh, a simple favor. So we're going to review two full movies. 
which may result in, I don't know, we'll have to decide, it may result in two full extra spoiler podcasts. Who knows? If we feel like both of these movies need, you know, a little bit of spoiler chat, we may be doing that as well. Of course, we'll have Buried Treasure at the end. Uh, We've got another good SIFT quest. You guys keep sending in great questions, so excited to chat about that as well. But uh, Andrew likes to kick off every episode with a little bit of Do We Care? Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick three topics for us to discuss. We must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Number one, Jordan Peele will be the new narrator for the Twilight Zone reboot, replacing the one and only Rod Sterling. Well, and uh, Sterling, right? Is there a T in there? I thought did it was did Sterling. I say with the T? I think you said Sterling. Anyway, uh, it doesn't Sir, matter. Yeah, 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 no, no. yeah. Um, I am very excited about this. I care very much. This is, if there's a Venn diagram of things I love, you know, this seems to be capturing all of it. I think he's uh, a genius choice for it. I know he was producing it already, mm-hmm. but announcing him as the um, kind of the on screen host, I think, is really smart. Um, I I do wonder, there is part of me that wonders if Black Mirror is already kind of capturing this part of the pop culture consciousness right now. Yeah. And what will distinguish something like Twilight Zone from Black Mirror, but, you know, I'm sure it'll be great. As long as, because something that Twilight Zone also did is when you look at Black Mirror, it's all future slash near future. That's true. It's all very much about technology. Yeah. Yeah. If Twilight Zone, because I remember episodes about aliens, I remember episodes about, uh, you know, good point, ghosts and stuff like that. Good point. So if they can get kind of tap into more of the supernatural, they could probably get away with it. And yeah. you know what? I love Black Mirror. So if it turns out to just be more Black Mirror, <laughs> right? That's not a loss. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's still a win. Yeah. Uh yeah, more, any any sci-fi-ish, twist-ish, twisty anthology anthology show is fun for me. I love the fact that we, mm-hmm. you know, just to, it's like a storybook, right? Like you just get a new story each week and it's a lot of fun. So Now, whenever I looked this up on IMDb, it said miniseries. So I yeah. don't know if it's going to be a full-run show or if it's going to be, you know. Well, that's a good point. I I think a lot of those terms are so easily um, I don't know. You can call it whatever you Throw want. Throw it around. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's content, right? So yeah. you know, uh big uh Big Little Lies was a mini series and it's getting a second season. Oh, so it is? yeah. So Well that's good. So yeah, so I, I don't know that that stuff means a lot. Uh if it's great and they can make money off of it, they'll bring it back for more. So uh but I'm excited. Definitely excited to see more Twilight Zone. Next up. Yep. Carrie Fukunaga, creator of True Detective will be directing Bond 25. He will be the first American director in Bond history. Yeah. Also, uh, tied into this, Daniel Craig said it will be his last Bond and that this will possibly be his take on the classic film From Russia with Love. I don't know about that other stuff. I'm not a Bond aficionado, so I couldn't even tell you necessarily what that means. That's Kerry Fukunaga. The Kerry Fukunaga thing's great. I honestly never thought an American would direct Bond. I thought that, you know, it's such an English thing. Yeah. Um, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I He did the first season of True Detective, right? Yeah. The the good one. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the good, good season, one. The good season of True Detective. And he was going to do It, but then he backed out of it. I it, <laughs> it will be interesting. 
I, I I don't know that I have enough point of reference other than the the first season to really know for sure if I'm excited about this. I'm not a Bond aficionado. I'm not a Bond lover. I don't get excited when a new Bond movie is announced. Mm. Uh, I haven't been thrilled with recent Bond movies. I think Daniel Craig does a fine job, but I, I don't know that the movies themselves have been great for me. He's batting two for two so, in my book. Yeah, I, I just, I'm, so I'm not, it's not like one of those things where I'm um, over the moon for the information. Yeah. It's a movie I'll go see and have an opinion on, you know? All so right. That's, that's where I'm at. Are you more of a Bond guy? Yeah, I love Bond. My okay. mom, my mom was raised in England, so it's like a tradition in our house, you know, passed down, you have to love Bond. It's, it's, uh, you're obligated to. So was your mom born in England? Uh, she was technically born in Spain, raised in England. Oh, yeah! Wow, mm-hmm. you've got that European blood right yeah. in you, man. That's... And then my dad's a Viking, and <laughs> yeah, literally, uh, like we... a time traveling Viking. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That needs to be a new metal movie, the time traveling Viking. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd get behind that. Uh, number three, do it. The Academy Awards have officially dropped the most popular film Yay! category. Isn't that the best news? I wanted to save the best for last. Yay! I hadn't actually seen that. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that they had announced that. (laughs) Yeah, they dropped it. I think that's the right call. I'm glad they didn't kind of uh, plant their feet in. Uh, The response was so completely against it, you know, right from the time they announced it. And perhaps they were just putting out feelers to begin with. You know, maybe that was the whole point was they were just like, I wonder how people will respond to this. Not well. Yeah, they got their answer. Yeah. Um, I, having said that, I hope it doesn't discourage them from experimenting because I do believe there are new awards that could be helpful and beneficial. I think they just have to know, I think they have to understand their purpose and their goal. If their goal is just to get a bunch of viewers, which unfortunately commerce wise sometimes has to be the goal. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily always jive with the goal of honoring the right people. You know what I mean? Like, because you could add some great categories that honor people that don't get honored enough that I would find fascinating. That stunt person category yeah. would be a fascinating category, you know? But I don't know that it's going to get you more viewers. But at the same time, who knows? I think if you want more viewers, I think at the end of the day, you just have to put on a great program. The awards will take care of themselves. you got to put on a great show. And yeah. uh, there are some things they could change to do that. Well, the Emmys just happened, you know. and uh, The Emmys, we, yeah. Yeah, we didn't even talk about it ever. But, uh, yeah, wasn't a great show. No, but, no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, it was cringy, those monologues and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't watch for that. I watch to see who wins. So, But I think we're in the minority on that, right? Think? Oh, yeah, I think we're super pop culture fans. We want to know, we know the director's names, and we know, like, I'm telling you, most people are vaguely aware of directors. They know Spielberg. You know, they probably know Hitchcock. You know, they know some of the big names. Yeah. And pro- maybe Christopher Nolan. You know, like they know, but they're not like Carrie Fukunaga doesn't mean anything to them. Yeah. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. That's so, true. So I think for most people, the awards are, there aren't enough for them to be invested in the awards because they don't know any of those people, you know? And that's been the, that's been the, the slam on the, the Academy Awards for a long time is that the movies even aren't accessible to the majority of people. Now that so, I can get behind. At the same time, it opens up people to good movies whenever those are watch. nominated. Yeah. Yeah, like, how many people do you think knew about The Shape of Water before it won Best Picture? Well, but how, but how many people that cared about it 
that didn't care about it before ended up caring about it after. I don't know that that really sent many people to watch The Shape of Water. Really? I really don't know that it had that impact. I think it had more of an impact of them going, I don't want to watch the awards. I don't even know this Shape of Water movie. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's what they've been fighting for so long. That's why they expanded the the nominees to 10 so that some of those Pixar movies and superhero movies could maybe squeak into the top 10 and people would be interested. I think at the end of the day, it, it takes a shifting in the idea of what makes a movie great, right? There's no reason Inside Out shouldn't have been, could have won the Oscar for best, best picture. It's just, it takes a mind shift from um, artsy to popular. Yeah. So instead of creating an own popular category, start to think maybe those popular movies are popular for a reason because they're well done. Yeah. You know what I mean? So do you think like if we were to see like Black Panther or Infinity War nominated for best picture, you would get a higher viewing audience? I think if we lived in a world where Infinity War could win Best Picture, mm-hmm. the viewing would go up. Yeah. But we and don't. it could. It, it, well, and it, it should. should be considered, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It takes a mind shift from these people who for so long have seen those multi, you know, those huge popular movies as just popcorn movies and they don't mean yeah. anything. It takes a mind shift to go, oh, those are actually great movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and to have Infinity War be battling it out with you know, whatever first man or whatever the, you know, artistic version is. I think that makes a lot of sense to me, but it, it's going to take a, a shift over time. So, yeah, yeah. that's going to wrap it up for Duba Care. Nice. Uh, let's get into our reviews. Uh, let's start with a, a nice little quiet film called Mandy. Under the crimson primordial sky. The wretched warlock reached into the dark embrace. His fist closed around the serpent's eye. Strange and eternal. I need you to get me that girl I saw. Do you know what to do? The movie's called Mandy. It takes place in the Pacific Northwest in 19. 19- 1983, Outsiders Red Miller and Mandy Bloom lead a loving and peaceful existence when their pine-scented haven is savagely destroyed by a cult led by the sadistic Jeremiah Sand. Red is catapulted into a phantasmagoric journey filled with bloody vengeance and laced with deadly fire. Uh, Mandy is a trip of a movie. Uh, Let's start off with did you like it, love it, hate it, uh, dislike it, or was it just okay? I liked it. You liked it. I did. Good. This will be fun. I hated it. You hated it. I, I, I mean, I could go on the high side of hated it. <laughs> like maybe the like the very when you say low side of like you it. really hated it. No, no, or? no. I mean, oh. like, like the needle isn't buried into hated it. Like, oh, I, I got like, you. The, you know, first of all, let me just start here because when I say I hated it, that's just me. I can see how this can appeal to a to some people. Like, I, I get that the insanity of it. Can yeah. be exciting, right? Mm-hmm. But not for me. Like it, like I didn't, I couldn't find anything about this movie to grab onto and enjoy. Here, l- let me start off by saying this then, since I, I have you know probably more pros. Yeah. So there's something magical about a Nick Cage film, and what I mean by that is that he kind of has carte blanche on making bad movies. Right. Good. Like you get excited. Whenever you see Nick Cage in a movie and you're like, oh, that movie's going to be terrible. And then if you have that mindset of like, 
he's going to be in a terrible movie, you end up liking it for some reason. Like, there's a big group of people who love bad Nick Cage movies. Yes. No, totally. And this is a bad Nick Cage movie, but I love it because it's a bad Nick Cage movie. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, whenever he's doing his crazy, coked-out insanity... So, is it humor? Are you laughing? Yeah, a little okay. bit. Yeah. So it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a so bad it's good kind of thing. Yeah. A little bit of I can't believe they're doing this kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, there's a lot of other stuff in this movie I really like that probably I could see a lot of people not liking. This is art house horror. Like it yeah, is. It's, cr- it's grindhouse even. Like yeah. it is. It is horror to the extent I. I. You know. It's. It's not quite torture porn. But at no. the same time, it's it is excessive. So you know the idea of pornography meaning excessive something. You know you could say it leans to the violence so hard that it is pornographic violence. Yeah. Uh, in some ways. Um. So so yes. So it's definitely very much blood, horror, murder, mayhem, revenge, yeah. grindhouse. Yeah. Uh, also, this is one of the most psychedelic movies I've ever seen. The colors in this, man. Yeah. Um, Did you think that worked, though? See, I didn't think any of that. Like, I didn't look at it and go, oh, that's beautiful. I of course just, I did. I did, yeah. Uh, I just felt it made it feel muddy and, and muted. and it's because It's very just, it's very nostalgic. It, it okay. felt very B-80s movie. Okay. Like, especially the, and I think we should mention the Johan Johansson s- uh, scored this with, you know, yes. the synth wave kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it yeah. felt very much of its time. Well, it, and the whole thing had a 80s rock band aesthetic. Yeah. Like, even the the quote that starts off the movie is, oh, yeah, is about rock and roll, um, and some of the titling feels very much, you know, metal. Uh, metal band kind of thing. So, yeah. So, have you ever seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Yes. So, you know at the end of the movie when Johnny Depp chews on the adrenal gland and he has that crazy acid trip, you <laughs> yes. know? Um, imagine that spanned out for two hours okay. and you throw Nick Cage doing cocaine in there. Yes. And you get uh, Mandy. And and by the way, when we say doing cocaine, just so you get an idea of he this movie. He literally <laughs> is doing cocaine. It's, it's, not just, it's, it's not just, you know, like... Sniffing lines. No, no. You know, he's not doing lines. Burying his yeah, face. No, he's he's going full cocaine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he is insane in this movie. Yeah. He has lost his mind. Like I, I just the and for me, it just it all just felt like too much. And I couldn't like I couldn't even find any kind of uh like story element or because it's just a revenge story. It's a very basic revenge story. Yeah, it's in a lot very of... basic and simple. Yeah. But there's so much, you know, I guess you would say toppings to this movie that kind of bury the fact that it is simple because there's so much weirdness happening. You forget this is a very simplistic revenge story. Yeah. And for that reason, I actually don't know if we need to do a spoiler podcast on this one. I mean, it would just be recounting like specific kills and stuff, right? Like there's nothing to to yeah. spoil on this necessarily. I mean, maybe we'll do a couple minutes, I don't know, but it could be a a, ta- a teaser or a a, a a dessert for the end of the simple favor. Yeah. Spoiler. Maybe we'll, we'll figure it out. But yeah. I just overall I couldn't connect to that that story. Like there wasn't anything interesting about that story to me. And any of the the um, 
the message that might have been there was so buried and so weird to me that I, I couldn't grasp it. I mean, there may be some things there about um, gender roles uh, that that it's trying to say. Um, there's there's a moment of laughter in the movie without giving anything away that I think is trying to say something about um, how men react to women and what what uh, you know what can what destroys men what destroys women i think there's there's trying to do some stuff with some of that but it just felt so very um muddy that i couldn't i couldn't i just couldn't grasp what this movie wanted to tell me or if it really just wanted to do a bunch of bloody kills with nick cage see that's where i think we're that's the uh that's the ultimate area where we're diverging on this movie. right yeah yeah I don't think this movie is trying to say anything. Well, okay, good. Then th- that helps me because I was trying to find what it was trying. And and I had heard people who enjoyed it say that they that they took something from it. And I'm like, what do you take from this? Really? So, yeah. So I, I just couldn't find it. So I'm glad to hear you say that. That that makes me feel like I you know I wasn't missing something. Maybe for the fact, like I said, whenever I watch a Nick Cage movie, I go in with the specific mindset that I'm not going in to actually have a very philosophical experience and learn something. Yeah. I'm going to watch Nick Cage do a bunch of cocaine and smash stuff. Yeah. And kill people. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I Yeah. Okay. So if that's the movie, that is the movie I thought I saw. Yeah. But it was getting a response from some people that I thought there must be, be something deeper to it or really? something more interesting to it. So Maybe for the fact that it is so psychedelic, you know, people will try and... So you think it's there's an artistic... Very much so. Okay, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, maybe there's an artistic, like, because it's definitely not shot any in any kind of fashion you would see from any regular movie that you would well, see yeah, in like the theater. Lighting and color. Lighting, and... color, and slow. There's a lot of slow-mo in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, Did you find it scary at all? Yeah, actually, yeah, a little okay. bit. For the... You don't... It's a movie that makes you actually feel sick when you well, watch yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean like the way the colors and everything it just turns your stomach a little bit yeah. because it's so gross psychedelic. Yeah. Actually the gross stuff doesn't bother me all that much. No, I meant gross is in like the colors and the yeah. like it just like nothing is Not beautiful. Gore gross. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Nothing is pretty. Nothing is beautiful. Like, everything like is like red skies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. It almost felt and I, hopefully this isn't a spoiler. It felt like it didn't take place on Earth, mm. a little bit, you know. Yeah. But there, you know, there are hints that you know, okay, this is Earth. And when I say psychedelic, I mean as a trip to where there's actual cartoon moments in this movie, like yeah. literal, literal cartoons in this movie. Yeah, it felt very '80s metal. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's little there's literal pornography in this movie, sexual pornography in yeah. this movie, like on a television at one point. Like this is a movie that is that is definitely taking away all the the boundaries it it can yeah. to say you know I'm just going to be um, uh, manic or chaotic or an anarchistic. You feel very anarchistic to me, and that, that mm-hmm. just doesn't appeal to me uh, in any way. So i I see what you're saying, and that is exactly why I thought there would be some out there that enjoy it for that insanity, yeah, right i that just is not something that's ever gonna appeal to me mm. um and I, I'll never see it again yeah it it's like you ever see those m s t three k movies where they're like mm-hmm. ragging on a bad eighties movie, sure, um 
I like it for that kind of nostalgia bad. That's interesting because that is not the feel I'm getting from some of the people that like it. I think they think it's art. I think they really think it's high art. And I no. don't know. I have, I have a hard time with that. I'll agree with you on that. I don't think it's high yeah. art. I think it's if it's trying to do that, it's a failed pretentiousness that yeah a lot of people can make fun of like i would definitely see this being an mst3k like uh a rag tag so rag- you're fully on board with the uh so bad it's good yeah idea okay yeah. interesting uh in the chat someone mentioning you don't think there's a message about extremism I don't know that there's a message about it in there as much as it just it's is. blatant. Yeah, it is extremism. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, and that is the other part. It's also being mentioned in the chat is the director is putting it out there as high art. You know, that is definitely something that he's uh, trying to do. So I forget the guy's name. Um, I'll look it up. But but yeah, I just don't see. Is it Carlos something? Um, it is Panos uh, Cosmatos. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think he's done one other thing uh, beyond the black uh, something. Yeah, beyond the black rainbow he did in 2010. You can tell so. that he took it seriously, this movie. It's not like he went out and intentionally tried to make a bad movie like a Sharknado or something, you know. Because I think there's a higher level of art going on here. Like artistic style, cinematic style than what you would see from a intentionally well, bad movie there's consistency for sure yeah right like there's there's consistency of, of the art style and that kind of thing but. oh yeah they don't they don't like okay this is going to be a little bit of a weird scene here but this scene over here is going to be something that you can actually kind of digest and make and sense out of it, it, and here's the thing it is such an acid trip of a movie don't think any of this feels like a real world in any way no. they, I, they try to put us in a real world of a loving couple at the beginning i think which is interesting um, but then beyond that, I mean, there's actual monsters. There's, you know, like it's, and I guess they kind of try to explain that, but it's no, but it's no. This is just, this is just a fantasy. <laughs> Sorry, world. Bill Duke, you didn't do that. You didn't do that justice there in that explanation. Uh, Weird a, Bill Duke cameo, by the way. Yeah, it's a stay away for me. What would you say? Um, if you like bad Nick Cage movies, like you're a fan of that, this is going to be one of the weirder ones that you see. Mm. But I still think that if. I still think you should at least give it... It's an experience you should try. And content-wise, if you struggle with gore and murder and... Language, language and, and everything, nudity. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's just, everything. Yeah, just stay away. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a stay away. Uh, ready to go to the next one? Yeah. All right, let's talk about a simple favor. Stephanie, I need your help. Uh, are you okay? I'm fine, but I, I do need just a, a simple favor. Can you come over? Yeah. Five days ago, Emily went missing. I warn you, you go poking around in her past, you're gonna find something that is terrifying. She was not a normal person like you or me. A Simple Favor, directed by Paul Feig, uh, centers around Stephanie, a mommy vlogger who seeks to uncover the truth behind her best friend Emily's sudden disappearance from their small town, uh, Emily played by Blake Lively, Stephanie played by Anna Kendrick, uh, both actresses I really, really like, so I was excited to see uh, this movie. Um, well, what did you think? Did you like it? Dislike it? Hate it? It was just okay? Loved it? 
Well, I saw a different movie because you told me to see A Simple Plan, so I saw the 1998 no, you Bill Paxton you movie. You did not. Stop it. No, I thought the movie was okay. Uh, just okay from Andrew. I'm going with Liked It. Uh, probably Dead Center of Liked It. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I had a good time. I had a good time with this movie. I had a good time with a good portion of this movie. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair, and we'll get into the specifics on that for sure. What did you like about it? Uh, Blake Lively is great. Oh, she's in this. incredible. She's so she's good. So good. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Uh, the oozing confidence, uh, kind of not afraid to say what's on your mind, kind of personality. The debonair. Yeah, because yeah. it's so not anything that I ever experienced. Like I don't know anybody like that in my life. Right. So whenever I see that person on screen. It's still believable enough to where I'm like, okay, that person probably exists out there somewhere. Yeah. And I would like to just meet them, not be them, but just live vicariously through them for like a day, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's always very, and even to the characters in the movie, it's so appealing and addictive to like know this person. It's electric, right? Yeah. You get the feeling of that electricity. And part of the reason. You get that feeling. and She's so good. She's good, and Anna Kendrick is good, too. Yeah. And the way Anna Kendrick plays into her role, like you're talking about, you know, that electricity. Yeah. Their chemistry is really believable and really interesting as these friends who are kind of accidental friends because their kids are in class together, and so they hang out at a play date or whatever. Yeah. I thought all that stuff was, was really great. I loved them in this movie. And maybe for the fact that Anna Kendrick, who also is good in this movie, her character is somebody that I think a lot of us know. Yeah. She's a very accessible character. Yes, exactly. So the polarizing, it makes you feel like, okay, well, I can relate to Anna Kendrick, and I can live vicariously through her and experience this weird Blake Lively world. Yes, and the way <laughs> she is seeing Blake Lively's character, right? Like the yeah. way she is in awe of her mm-hmm. and wants to be her in some ways, but also is kind of shocked by her and yeah, a little bit scared, scared of her. Yeah. I, I, it's just, it's amazing what she communicates in that relationship. And yeah, I found I found those two to be stunning in this movie. It's probably the main reason I really liked it. Like I came yeah. away from it enjoying the film. Uh, overall, because I think they're just they're so interesting and so fun, and also the characters they're playing uh, are interesting in the in that dynamic. And this is a movie that I do feel like it has something to say about the the role of women and the different archetypes we put women into of you know the businesswoman and the single mom or mm-hmm. you know the mommy vlogger you know that kind of thing so yeah this is a movie that actually does have a message yeah 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 I believe so as well. What else did you like about it? Um, actually, there, uh, in the middle of this movie, there's a lot of tension building that I actually found very akin to something like Gone Girl, you know, like, okay. ooh, ooh, where's this mystery going to lead, you know? Yes, mystery. Yeah. The tension for me, and we'll talk more about it when we get into negatives. Yeah. The tension for me didn't work overall, but the, the mystery did. And okay. I, and, I, and that's what I would talk about in what you're talking about, like the, cause there's a Hitchcock element to the mystery and suspense of it. Yeah. Suspense is a better word than tension. Yes, because I never felt, I shouldn't say never, but very rarely and for very brief moments felt any kind of, 
like tension, like what's going to happen, you know, that kind of thing. There was a couple, actually, there was one moment in this movie where I actually got chills. Okay. Yeah. Save that like, for spoilers. I'm yeah. excited to hear what that moment was. Yeah. Um, the Hitchcock element to it was good for me. Like Paul Feig, it's obvious he knew how to pay homage to a, a good suspense thriller. Yeah. It did feel a little paint by numbers. Um, but even paint by numbers Hitchcock is still good. You know what I mean? Like there's 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 elements where I'm like, okay, you don't quite have down the visual storytelling that Hitchcock did and the way he would build tension through silence and spaces and some of the visuals. Um, but you understand how he used mood and story. And part of the thing I loved that built that mood was the music. Did you notice the like the French pop music that played throughout this whole thing? I thought that was beautiful. I like kind of like you know she's dancing to it, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I didn't notice it throughout because I was. It, it is, is it prevalent? It's prevalent. Okay. It's there and it's interesting and it punctuates very interesting parts of the movie. And I I thought that was that was really good because it adds a texture and a tone to the mystery. Um, because there's something about a French song and and maybe it's just I don't speak the language. Yeah, that that kind of adds a like a beauty and a texture and a mystery to me. So I, I thought that was a really inspired choice. That's interesting. Normally I pick up on you know the the score and everything, but mm-hmm. I was just immersed in living through <laughs> Anna Kendrick. You know, yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, I also enjoyed the plot, and I think there are. There are some things we're going to talk about in negatives that sometimes get mistaken for plot that aren't good in this movie. But the actual barebone structure of this story is solid. I like the structure of where the twists and turns would be in this film. But not original. Not No, not necessarily original. No. Um, You've seen this movie before. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But there are enough of those story moments that if, if it had been... If this movie had been tighter and a little bit better, um, had a little bit better consistency of tone, yeah. I think the story and the twists and the turns in it would have worked even better, would have worked well. I'm not saying that because it's not original, it's not good. I don't want that. Right. I don't want that to come across as a negative. Oh, this I've seen this movie before. Ergo, this is bad. I don't want to give that impression. Right. Yeah. Well, do you want to move into negatives, or do you have any more positives you wanted to touch on first? Um. No, I'm ready to get into negatives. Why don't you start? I really only have one big negatives, but it, this but it is a big one. Ending is atrociously bad. Yeah, it's bad. This is so bad. It's like the characters switched personalities with people that aren't even in the movie. Yeah. Like there's weird like okay, the Anna Kendrick and the Blake Lively at the end of this movie are not the same Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively that I watched for the first three-fourths of the movie. Now, it could be argued that they're trying to create change, right? They're trying to create characters. So the idea is that the characters are growing in some way. So Anna Kendrick has grown to be this different person. I, But I agree with you. I don't think we've seen that. Like, we yeah. haven't seen that progress or found, like, touch points for her journey along that way. Yeah. And there's a Mean Girls moment at the end of this where I'm like, oh, is that... It just felt so rushed sloppy weird and then the final final bit of this movie which we know i yeah go into spoiler but i'm like it is so unnecessary i didn't need to know this sort of 
I just hated this ending so much. Yeah. And that, honestly, without that ending, I could have really liked this movie. Yeah. I really could have. I think for me, a lot of that plays into the ending as well is I think this movie has a problem with the comedy in the movie. I think Paul Feig is, in general, writes comedies, right? Yeah. And he, he's done great uh, doing comedies with women. You know, uh, I really enjoy The Heat, I think is, you know, uh, is really good. So... Uh, we know he can do this, but the comedy bits in this movie distract from that tension, distract from the story he's telling. Like if he could have found himself like locked in to some of the the beauty of the tone of the moments that he brought us in the first two acts of this movie, yeah, I think he could have created a consistent, beautiful film. But I think he just he has some side characters that have these you know ridiculous oh, moments, it. yeah that are, I think, meant to be those high comedy moments, mm-hmm. and they just don't match with anything that, that I liked about this movie. I think the comedy in this movie is best served whenever you have Blake Lively, like, poking at Anna Kendrick. Yeah, that's in that's, that's the, the good comedy in well, this movie. Well, it's the kind of comedy that works with what the tone of this movie exactly. should be. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like I feel like some of those other comedy asides maybe work in a different movie. That might be some funny stuff in a different movie, but not in this movie. No, it just didn't. It felt so out of place. Yeah, and some of that is involved in that awful final act. You know, some of that is involved in the, the final moments of this movie. You're totally right. It does feel like he tried to put the comedy you would find in like the Heat and Ghostbusters. Yes, yes. in this movie, which imagine trying to put that kind of comedy in a less tense version of Gone Girl. Right. It would feel so out of place. Right. Yeah. And that's and that's the thing that, that Hitchcock understood and a good director of this kind of movie understands is it it will be funny. Like there will be humor in your movie. There's humor in Hitchcock movies. Yeah. But it's layered into the tension and the suspense in a way that doesn't distract from it and feels very real to the characters. There's some of that here, like you mentioned, in the relationship specifically. Some of the Anna Kendrick stuff is is really funny like when she you know well i don't want to go specific that maybe i can save that for, sure. for spoilers but some of that stuff is really funny but that's the kind of stuff that belongs here whereas that other stuff just feels so out of place so that was the the biggest negative for me and, yeah. it, and it was a really big one yeah so it, it brought the movie quite a bit down without that i think i'm saying i love this movie like i just yeah. i think there's a possible there's a version of this movie that is so good that is so good and and almost lives up to like game night you know like those like you know game night was one of those movies that came out of nowhere and was just like oh this is great like it's hilarious and the story's yeah. great and the tone's consistent you know there's a few tweaks if they happen here this is this is you know battling game night for you know surprise movie. surprise movie of the year yeah. so yeah interesting anything else you wanted to say uh no that's I think it that for about me. covers it yeah um we'll go into more spoilers uh for with sure it, with this one for sure so um excited to do that here in a little bit before we go any further though i did want to mention if you want to support this podcast network you can do that at patreon patreon.com slash studio dna uh some reasons you might want to do that well first of all you love what goes on here and you might want to just keep it going uh, also, there's some fun perks there. Uh, starting at three bucks a month, you get access to your own podcast feed that has bonus episodes in it for every podcast on the network. And if you ever want to know what's on Studio DNA Network, just search in your podcast player for Studio DNA One Word, and you should see them all. Um, and all that comes to you just for supporting at three bucks a month. There's some other fun perks there too. So check it out at Patreon.com/slash Studio DNA. 
All right, let's move on to the Sift Quest uh, this week. Um, this one comes to us from Jared on Twitter. Uh, Jared says, hey there, was listening to your recent episode about crazy rich Asians and had a thought for a potential Sift Quest. Personally, I can't stand rom-coms, but not for any of the usual reasons you may think. I'm a marriage and family therapist. I can't turn that part of my brain off, so I spend the entire movie being annoyed at the poor communication skills, negative interactions, and ridiculous behaviors leading to wacky situations. I know that's part of the genre, but I see it in real life, too, when working with couples. Is there anything in movies that you guys can't stand because your real-life experiences? Love your work. Can't wait to hear this read out someday. Well, there you go. Just got read Today out. is that Today day. Today is that day, Jared. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this? What's something that, you know, because of your own personal experience, it's just hard for you to give in to the tropes or you see as false? Honestly, I have the most difficult time with this question. Yeah, it's a tough question. I really think it is. And I, not a movie, and it's weird. Like, I don't think I have an answer to this question. I don't think there's anything in my life that's ever kept me from loving a movie. Now, I could say there's, since I used to work in a hospital for about a decade, mm-hmm. I could watch like a a, a medical drama and I'm like, doctors don't do the MRI, you know? Well, I, don't, I think that's kind of what he's talking about yeah. uh, in that way. So I'd love to hear some of that stuff just as, a, as, as an observer. Yeah, like uh, whenever you watch a medical drama on TV, doctors aren't the ones that do the MRI. Whenever you watch House, doctors don't go to your house and look through Sherlock style to find <laughs> fungus and stuff like that. Break into your home. Yeah, they don't break into your home. That's an extreme version of that, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot more uh, in medical dramas. They never get into the, uh, I guess you would say, the the business side of medicine, really. Mm, yeah, It's always focused on the medicine. You never see the business like... Okay, what is going to be best for the hospital? You never see the insurance, the paperwork, you yeah, know, yeah, the yeah. unfun stuff. Yeah. Which there's a lot of unfun stuff. Yeah, I think that's what he means by the question. Just kind of yeah. stuff like that. I thought about saying the Dark Tower because <laughs> the Dark Tower is such a big part of my life and they ruined it and now I hate it. But no, that wouldn't answer the question. So I think the medical drama, I know it's not a movie. But I think that's as close as I can get. Yeah, and I don't know if he's asking for a movie specifically. Just kind of asking for those things that we notice. Um, I think for me, and this probably isn't a surprise, a lot of it has to do with portrayals of religion uh, that that come out in movies. Where I I grew up in a a very religious family. I'm still a Christian myself. Um, And I actually, my dad is actually a preacher. And so especially when I watch movies and I see, uh, you know, preachers from churches they're always so it's very rare that that the character isn't self-serious um always thinking about you know what script there's one of two ways this can go right mm-hmm. they're either complete hypocrite and an awful person that doesn't do any of the things that they say right or they are self-serious always you know loving and have a scripture always at you know at the ready and there's never like the human preacher, <laughs> like, the, like you know that I saw growing up in my incredible dad. That was just like an awesome guy. Yeah. Was fun to hang out with, and sure, he, he knew the Bible and he could you know help talk you through a moral quandary or that that kind of thing. But he would come to my basketball games and root me on, and you know uh, walked the life that he talked about when you know he was on the platform. You know, like that. 
like I just don't see that person in a lot of movies and I get it because stereotypes are easier, right? And uh but I think when you live something you're more apt to go, yeah, but where's where's the real guy version, you know, of that character? Yeah. So that's probably the one. That's the one actually for me. a really good answer and I should have thought of that growing up in a Christian home because now that you mention I'm like, oh yeah, that is totally accurate. I see that cliche and that trope all the time in movies. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. And Good I, call. And I get where those come from, too. There are hypocritical pre- preachers. There are plenty of people who claim religion and then do awful things, and that's that's horrible. And there are those self-serious preachers, you know. But for the most part, the people I saw were human beings, and that was their, their job and their role was to, you know, lead people. And during the week, they weren't always in their you know, office in prayer, you know, it yeah. was living life and being with people and raising a family and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd throw that one out there for sure. Regardless if I had a good answer or not, that was a great question. Yes, absolutely great question. We love getting them. Thank you, Jared, for that. We appreciate it. Uh, if you would like to get your Sift Quest in, send us on a Sift Quest, you can do that uh, by emailing us or tweeting at me. In fact, you can DM me. I leave those open if you need more space. Um, so that is on Twitter at Aaron Dicer, or you can email feedback at sifpop.com. Either way works for us. Can't wait to answer your question. Uh, let's finish up with some buried treasure, Andrew. Yeah. What do you got? So I got an app on my phone. It's called Pixa Loop. P-I-X-A-L-O-O-P. Is this a game? Nope. Okay. It's a uh, picture app. So uh, it's going to be difficult for me to explain over this, but I'm going to show you. Okay. So I'll do my best to react to this app in a, yeah. an appealing way. So sorry, it's a picture app and I'm doing this over an audio podcast. I get the irony here, people. Yeah. But pretty much what it does is it takes pictures that you have in your phone and stuff, and you can say, like, this background here is water water moves so it's like okay we'll make the water in the background of that picture move like it's waving okay all right that's fire we know fire moves so so. it identifies typical objects and then does some cool things with them so what i did is i got a picture of ghost rider here okay so now i saw the the, regular regular picture that's so now ghost rider on the motorcycle with the flaming wheels and now the fire around that's really cool isn't that amazing that's really cool yeah i'll do like a do something more like do you have anything more normal like that's obviously not a picture you so, took yeah so here's a picture of me whenever i went to alaska and i went uh salmon fishing i'm so sorry you can't see this by I know, the way but <laughs> i'll try to do my best if to, you go to, to my instagram i have these on there oh, okay cool so cool. here's a picture of me when i went to alaska and i went salmon fishing i saw that picture nice fish yep so now here i've added the water element and it's snowing Oh, the water. Interesting. Now, obviously, there's some waves there that obviously aren't, you know, like doing wave things, but the yeah. water does look like it's in motion. Yeah. And then the snow. Yeah, that's kind of cool. But everything else is still frozen, like right, yeah, yeah. me holding the fish and yeah. the rocks and the mountains in the background and stuff. All that stuff is still, you know, in picture mode, but like it has the motion element to it. Yeah. No, that's I cool, think man. it's the coolest app. Yeah. I really do. It was $20, but I think it's totally worth it because I'm going to do so much with that. <laughs> and what's it called? Pixa Loop. P-I-X-A-L-O-O-P. Did you say it's a $20 app? Yeah. 
But is that are you Android or, or iPhone? Is that on the iTunes? Or? I have an iPhone. I don't. I'm sure. Do you know it's, if it's available? I never know that stuff. All I know is I, I can find out. There you go. How's it spelled again? P I X A L O O P. P I X A. Yep. L O O P. Pixaloop. Um, twenty bucks, man. I've never paid twenty bucks for an app. Um, I haven't either, but this is totally worth it for me. Pixel Loop is not on Android. That's a shame. So I was gonna say how much it costs on Android, but I don't see. There's like photos in motion, um, that kind of stuff. But no, no Pixel Loop. I think it's free to download. It's just there's a like a an a extreme version of it, and that's what I paid for. Okay, so, very cool. What do you got? Uh, cereal is back. Uh, the podcast. Oh. Not the thing you eat in the morning. Which I had some. By the way, have you ever tried milk with cereal? It's incredible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Somebody told me about this and I'm like, and I forget who it was. One of the late night hosts had a great, no, no, it was a Philip DeFranco on okay. YouTube. He said, people who are surprised that the Kardashians have led a different life and have had different experiences right. than you yeah. and are still surprised by that. Just you're gro- not paying attention. You're not paying attention. Yeah. So the fact that they've never had cereal with milk, you know. I'm glad she ex- dis- you know discovered cereal with I milk. Just wish it's a it was, thing. I just wish it was a good cereal. What was she eating? I think it was a Cinnamon Toast Crunch, I think. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is good. I'm a Frosted Flakes and Reese's Puffs guy. Reese's Puffs are great. We can agree on that. Yeah. Um, no, Serial the Podcast. Yeah. I never Season got into three. it. Uh, did you ever, so you haven't listened to a single episode? No, no, I like, I tried and I didn't like it. You didn't like the first season? Yeah. Um, first season kind of took the world by storm. Yeah. It's like the most subscribed to downloaded podcast of all time. Yeah. Uh, during the first season. I think that's still the case. I could be wrong. But, um, but yeah, it was this story told over the entire season about this court case with this, you know, uh, Syed, or I forget what the kids. Saeed. Yeah, something like that. And then the second season was um, about a soldier who had um, apparently abandoned his, you know, troop in the Middle East and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did not like season two as much. It didn't feel like it had the same magic that season one did. But I will tell you, after two episodes of season three, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying season three. Now okay. we're just two episodes in. But what's interesting is this season they're exploring just. Uh, a random court, I shouldn't say a random court, but a court in Cleveland, Ohio. So they had, they said they had a lot of people ask about if the, the kind of things they talked about in season one happen all the time. And they're like, no, that's way atypical. You know, usually courts are a lot, you know, more consistent and boring, but that doesn't mean there's not interesting stuff there. And so they're kind of telling the story of this courtroom case by case, week by week. Uh, okay. And highlighting some different things, um, a, a lot of interesting stuff there. And I think Sarah Koenig is is a great storyteller, and I think she really understands how to invest you in the people that are real people in these stories. So that's, that's good. That's an element that I've always thought was interesting about Serial is the fact that these aren't voice actors, right? They're they're the audio that you're hearing from these people is really them. Yeah, which I think was. When I first heard that, I'm like, oh, okay, so the guy who I thought was a bad voice actor isn't a bad voice actor. That's the real dude who's going through this trial. Have I ever told, I think I've told my S-Town story. Um, S-Town is a podcast by kind of the same people Uh uh, about this town and this story that happened. 
I thought when I download it for whatever reason. Now you know me. I don't. I try to go in with as little information as possible. Sure. But I thought the person who had turned me onto it said something about it being like a mockumentary kind of thing. So I'm listening to this entire real life podcast with <laughs> real people thinking they're making fun of these real life podcasts. And I'm like, these actors don't even sound real. Yeah. Like the, they don't, there's no way people would actually say this. And then like six episodes in, I read something or whatever. I'm like, oh no, those are the real people. Yeah. And they're actually saying those things. It's just a reminder, I think for me, that humans are just unique. We're yeah. just interesting in, you know, uh, we are used to actors portraying humans. And when humans get to be real humans, it can sound even more actory than the actors, which yeah. is so weird. It's just, it's a weird thing. That was such a weird experience to realize I'd listened to six episodes, uh, like completely misunderstanding it. So, yeah, yeah fascinating. That's stuff. awesome. But Serial's back. I thought I'd mention it two episodes in, and I'm liking it more than season two. Not, I mean, season one was such a unique experience because it just kind of blew up. Yeah. So I don't know anything will ever match that, but I am finding even in two episodes it very interesting. And a lot of people would probably be interested in a not talking heads podcast. Yeah. No, there's there's a lot of narrative podcasts out there that are interesting. This American Life is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, the so, message yeah. is always my favorite narrative podcast. Yeah. Easily my favorite. No, that's a fictional narrative, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I think aliens. I know you're talking about aren't here <laughs> thank you yeah thanks for the confirmation yeah that we know of but it also uh, it also reminds me of uh, american vandal season two just came out and that is a tv show that is kind of a mockumentary, a mockumentary. Of, of kind of that whole idea of you know real life uh documentary style stuff so did you like that i i haven't watched it yet oh okay. i've heard enough great things about it that i'm that i'm going to i'm going to watch season one first and then i'll watch season two but i haven't gotten into it yet i so. think it's i think do you like it? Oh yeah, it's I can funny. tell by the look on your face you have a great yeah. time with it. So. It's it's so ridiculous. I saw the like the episode titles on Netflix. I haven't watched any of them yet. Yeah, but they're such they're all puns about whatever the the topic is for you know. Yeah, I think the the first season is um you know uh, drawing uh, male genitalia all over stuff, and so yeah. they all relate to that. And the second season is about a, a quote unquote brownout. Yeah, then, yeah. So season uh, one is making fun of making a murderer. Yes, which is funny because they're both Netflix properties. Yeah, so it's like they're making fun of the documentary with a mockumentary. About I'm excited to see it. I've heard it's really good. So I got turned on really to it because the main guy in the first season is a YouTuber that I used to watch his videos all the time. I can't think of his name right now, but oh, interesting. That's how I got turned on to it. So yeah, no, I I'm. I'm excited to see it. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, there you go. We did a podcast, man. Woo! Podcasting has happened. Good job, buddy. Everything is right in the world. <laughs> Just not Nick Cage's. No. No, definitely not his world. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following us at Spreaker, either in the Spreaker app or at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks to Andrew for dropping by again this week. Thanks, buddy. I, thank you so much for being here every week. I love and it. I, it's a great time. Glad to have you. You know, we were talking to somebody recently, just as an aside, that we've kind of done just a lot more of just the duo podcast with just the two of us. We used to, you know, have try to have a third guest every week, and I just think it's that kinda... wasn't good enough. <laughs> we had to wait for Andrew to get good enough. Yeah. No, 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 not that at all. But I just I started to realize that. 
there's something nice about just the two of us being in a room and yeah. you know talking pop culture. That doesn't mean we'll never have a guest again. Yeah. We're hoping to have more guests in the future, but I'm really enjoying it. Every week I get to look at your handsome face and that amazing <laughs> backdrop you have behind you. You like that? That's yeah. fairly new. Yeah. You just got to stare at my bald face. And- yeah, you'll have to put that on your Instagram too Yeah, you know, since you pointed, pointed it out. Uh, anywhere you want to send people? Yeah, head over to Instagram uh, to see those pixel loop pictures, so you get a better idea of what I'm, you know, talking about. Also, Twitter, I post stuff sometimes. But yeah, <laughs> find me at both of those at, at @flickfreaks. You can find me at, at Aaron Dicer on Twitter, and if you hit on YouTube, you can subscribe to me uh, at YouTube.com/slash Your Movie Friend. I do a movie review every weekend uh, that you can check out. Um, so yeah, thanks, Andrew. I appreciate you being here. Uh, Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters as well for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three bucks a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash studio DNA. Lots of ways to connect with us. Uh, Comment at Spreaker or wherever you listen to your podcasts, or you can email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier then calming your murderous rage revenge long enough to craft a custom metal foundry axe sword. <laughs> Spoiler chat will be in your feed next, maybe for both of the movies, maybe just for one, who knows, uh, but we will catch you there. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.